The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you appropriately enough by Locker Room. Download the app, join John and me every Wednesday, 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific for a live recording of Pelger and Duncan. And then, of course, your questions. You can also join me and Danny LaRue, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific on Tuesdays for an hour-long Locker Room exclusive. Okay, welcome on to Playoffs Week 1 edition of the Hollinger and Duncan Pod. And what I realized is in part because we had the play and we didn't even know what the matchups were going to be as of last Wednesday, which is amazing to think that that was the Warriors and Lakers about to play a game for the seventh seed just a week ago. We actually saved our predictions until now. We want to have a couple games under our belt and see if that improves our predictions, see how that changes anything at all. So welcome on here. Uh, Of course, if you're listening on Locker Room, we're going to do our pod for about an hour. You know the drill, and then we'll take some questions at the end. So let's begin here, John. We can kind of go through all of the series and talk about it and maybe give a prediction for what happens at the end and then get to our overall playoff predictions. Where do you want to start what series sure i think we got to start with the clippers right yeah (laughs) i mean that that really that's the one that really has me scratching my head a little bit i didn't think this series would be that big of a, a speed bump for them uh the way they handled dallas last year some of the changes they made i thought they were in pretty good shape coming into this and it hasn't turned out that way at all. No, it has not turned out that way. And it's uh, they certainly thought they were in pretty good shape coming into this too, given uh, all the efforts that they made to try to jump in <laughs> yeah. uh, to, to this particular matchup. Exactly. And, you know, you I understand why they felt confident. Historically, four or five matchups are almost exactly a crapshoot. So I, I just wonder if they were a little too dismissive of the change in odds they would face between playing Portland in a 3-6, which was still their most likely outcome, and playing playing Dallas instead. And, you know, all to avoid a Laker team who you're going to have to play anyway, and you probably would rather play early when LeBron is still coming back from this ankle anyway. And then the other thing was that, if you're championship or bust, I think we talked about this last week, they gave up home court in a potential finals with either Brooklyn or Philadelphia in order to tank those two games and get this specific matchup in the first round. Yeah, that was a little weird. I, I 
hadn't considered that as much uh, until you mentioned it. And yeah, I would have, you know, I understood maybe taking that first game against Houston because that one ensured that you wouldn't have to face the Lakers in the first round. It would either be Denver or it would be, uh, or it would be, or or Denver, whatever, that Denver-Portland game wouldn't affect you, basically. Whoever won that one um, would, anyway, you, you know what I mean. So yeah, that one I got. The OKC one, I mean, I was like sort of in favor of it. Certainly, it was great entertainment value watching uh, Daniel Latoro <laughs> right. go to work. But I mean, let's just talk about what's going on in this series because you know, it, along the lines of what they're you're talking about now, they probably felt like, hey, if we're a real championship contender, we're going to take care of the Mavs. That'll be fine. You know, like we were we were much yeah. we're much better this year and last year, and we gave up a three one lead to the Nuggets and we weren't any good. We still took care of these guys just fine. Uh, but a big problem is that Luka Doncic is even. better better and this is i termed it last night on the pod this is kind of the spiritual successor to those cleveland teams when they would put kevin love at center and they had lebron running the show with shooting all around him i mean they're just yeah i mean there aren't any amazing guys outside of luca but the clippers just don't have a way to deal with them apparently well i think they don't have a great way to deal with them a and they are they are making matters worse with how confused they look. Yeah, yeah. T- I, I think whatever it is they're trying to do, they don't believe in it. And so they keep trying to shortcut it and go away from it. And you see, I mean, I pulled a bunch of clips in the in this story I wrote for The Athletic today uh, about it, but j- they're making like relatively simple game plan mistakes that you don't expect from a veteran team in a playoff series. It's absolutely pathetic. I was tweeting about it last night as well. I'm guessing there are going to be many other pieces. Ty Lu, uh acknowledged that there were some game plan mistakes uh, once again. And I mean, do you want to just run through, just to give us like the poo-poo platter of like the shit that they're screwing up? So there's a lot of confusion just about whether they're switching or not on both off ball and on ball. And they, they've kind of gone through different things. Uh, I liked them best when Kawhi was was guarding Doncic and at least trying to get through the screen. I thought th- I thought that was that was the the best look for them defensively. Or when they had Paul George doing the same thing. Luca, if you go back and look at that first half, Luca made some tough shots over Paul George that you probably have to live with. But that was like like it was it was fine. It looked like real defense, right? And then as the game went on, they just kind of went away with that. They start going into these very soft switches where. You know, they were just trading out Zubac for Kawhi Leonard before there was really any contact from a screener. And so now you have Luca with a full with a full clock working against Ivica Zubac, which maybe you could live with that if that's Marcus Morris, right? But but that I don't I don't think you can live with that if it's Zubac. I think I think you gotta try to fight through that screen. And and then off the ball, I mean, I thought you made a great point on the on the one play where where they just where they just did their little square dance dosi do switch off the ball, and then Batum just loses uh, loses uh, Willie Cauley Stein uh, on the ball uh, on the, uh, excuse me with an on ball screen right after that. They, I mean, they let Cauley Stein get loose for three dunks, and all of them were just like horrific defensive gaps. Yeah, I, I think that it was. A shitty plan, most of the time, even more shittily executed, is how I would describe it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, because even like Zubat's actually, Wait. you know, obviously it looks bad when he gets beat. He's kind of slow looking. Like he had actually gotten a couple of stops in a row on Luca. And so then 
then Batum decides he's going to try and fight over the screen after like the bad plan that they had actually worked yeah. a couple times in a row. So now you're going to, he yeah. just comes into the game and he had no idea what the plan was. I mean, it really, you know, whether it's coaching, yeah. whether it's inattention, I mean, you, you mentioned it, this is a, supposed to be a veteran team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, now give Luca credit. Cause he's, I mean, every mistake they make, he is skewed. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. And and anytime there's a small out there, he hunts them. Uh, he hunts Reggie Jackson. He even hunts Patrick Beverly. He basically backs them down. I think that's hurt them when they've tried to play with five smalls, that he hunts the smallest guy, backs them down, and knows there isn't a shot blocker. Uh, I think we may see more of Terrence Mann with no point guard type lineups. Uh, I, th- I think that's the one thing they can do to kind of inoculate themselves against those Luka easy back downs. Yeah, they just, they don't have any kind of help defense. And part of that's because of Porzingis and, and his gravity. And Finney Smith made a bunch of shots in the first game. A little bit. He was actually the one Mav who wasn't on fire last night. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think my initial plan would be, you know, try to fight over the screen and, you know, put your center on Dorian Finney-Smith and see whether Dorian Finney-Smith can make a pick and pop three or, or make a play. Uh, uh, You know, I think like Kawhi fighting over the screen, if you can actually have Zubats back or Serge Ibaka back around the rim, you know, I, I think you can be okay there and hopefully bother Luca enough from behind and, uh, you know, make him finish over somebody at the rim. I mean, they, they're just, the number of times that there is like a center contesting shots at the rim, like I'd love to look at the contest numbers for the Clippers centers and see like how many shots they've defended at the rim in this series. Like it's got to be like two a game. It's, and and the, <laughs> right. uh, when yeah. the centers are out, they just don't have anyone else who has those great help instincts I mean, they don't even have like a Joe Harris level of guy coming over and making plays at the rim defensively. So, yeah, well, so we've talked about all this now. You noted in your piece that the the Clippers still have been scoring pretty well, despite the fact they couldn't make any threes in the first game. Dallas, even with the most wide open threes you're ever going to get in an NBA game, shooting over 50% like this for the series is not going to continue. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep better, focus better, maybe just be better? There is, and in 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. It's one of the only meditation apps that actually uses clinically validated research to advance the field of mindfulness and meditation Whatever situation you're in, Headspace can help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace is a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, there are even morning medications that you can do with your kids. Now with over 25 published studies backing its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads, Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash MBA. That's headspace.com slash MBA for a free one-month trial with access to their full library of meditations for every situation. This is their best deal right now. Head to headspace.com slash MBA today. I'm going to tell you about Lucy Nicotine, a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. They've got both gums and and lozenges in nice flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate for their gum, cherry ice, citrus, and mint for the lozenge. Each has four milligrams of nicotine. And what's more, 
Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your cards to purchase Lucy. It's convenient and discreet. You can enjoy it anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even in the gym. So it's 2021 now. You don't need to smoke cigarettes anymore. You can unplug your vape. You can throw out your dip. Get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. A subscription comes directly to your door each month, so it's so simple. And you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has their delivery down. And for Lockdown NBA listeners, go to lucy.co and use the promo code Lockdown NBA to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co, promo code Lockdown NBA, the name of this network, at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. That's lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA. So do you yeah. think that the Clippers are just done having lost the first two at home, or is there still some hope for them in this series? History says they're not quite done. Uh, the, you know, the shooting stats are a little bit of an outlier for Dallas, and then teams have come back from this before. And I still, like on paper, like the Clippers should be better than this, right? And so I, I can't I can't say they're done. I, they're in a really tight spot, but that they have the talent on their team to win four out of five. So I would not I would not describe them as done. Yeah, I mean the way I thought about it is how would you feel about their chances of winning the series if they win game three? And I wouldn't give them more than a fifty percent chance of winning the series at that point, but I would certainly give them a substantial chance. And you know, obviously it depends yeah. how what that looks like in game three as well, right? If they squeak it out and the Mavs can't hit a three or something like that versus if they blow them out you know obviously that's going to change your conception of things but i think it's uh 27 of 31 teams that went up 2-0 on the road ended up winning the series so those are pretty tall odds you know but it's not that's yeah, actually yeah. It, it is interesting to note that that's better than your overall up to zero stats which i think are like you know 94 percent of the time but of course that's worth noting I, I mean it's easier for the team that loses the first two at home to come back because in theory the reason they have home court advantage is because they're better right like all the one eight series where the home team wins the first two the, yeah. the series is just over that eight seed sucks and and that's the, it so the, yeah yeah. Um, so, yeah. and obviously the the shooting variants that we talked about. I mean, they they have to get at least a little bit better in terms of what they're doing. Luca could wear down a little bit uh, as well. Do you think that playing Serge Ibaka could help, or does he just look cooked to you? I was surprised how little he played because I didn't I didn't think his first shift was that yeah. bad. And uh, you know, they went to they went back to Zubats early, and then they really went straight to the five smalls and and didn't really give him another look. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was surprised how quickly they went away from Ibaka. Definitely. I, I, I thought there was a chance that he could help more. I might now, I mean, he, you know, he can get a little lost defensively too, but he does give you some rim protection on the other hand, uh, where he can, where he can come from the weak side and make play, which is the thing that we, we just haven't seen at all. No, I, I don't think so. And, you know, maybe if you're the Clippers, you live with a few Porzingis pick and pop threes as well if you have to as long as he's shooting them kind of on the move a, a little bit but yeah they're, they're obviously in a really tough spot and I, I felt after game one that it was this was going to be a tough series for them because they were just they were struggling so hard to find something that worked uh, against Luca. so now that we've talked about this series for uh, about 10 minutes or so here give me your prediction for this series as it stands right now here on uh Wednesday with Dallas up 2-0 I I start I want to say I think I picked Clippers in five. I mean, my the receipts are out there on the athletic. Um, 
but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I picked Clippers in five to start with this. I think the most the most logical pick now is Dallas in six. Um, I, I think you know they they probably get a split of these next two and then and then wrap it up in game six. Yeah, I mean I would still give the Clippers probably about a twenty percent chance of winning this series, but definitely they they still they still are alive. Yes, that w- without question. This is I would not describe this series as over. I could I could think of another series that I would definitely describe as over. This is not in that category. Yeah. So yeah, I so I think it's probably seems right to me as well the dallas in six we'll see what the series may get a feel for how the home court advantage is affecting things in game three didn't seem like the clippers had a, a ton of people there with their crowd so uh what series do you want to talk about next uh should we talk about uh should we talk about the memphis grizzlies yeah. Okay. I I think this Donovan Mitchell thing. I, actually, I want to get your first off your front office thoughts on this whole Donovan Mitchell saga, which is one of the weirder ones that we've seen recently. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, this has really changed in the league, even in the time since I first joined the league. That you have so many more people involved in the whole oversight of player health and maintenance and uh, kind of physical development or whatever you want to call it. And this, it seems like there were some communication gaps in whatever this decision was, because certainly from Mitchell's perspective, everything was lined up for him to be playing. So for them to pull the plug that late, that suggests to me that something that the left arm didn't know what the right arm was doing. Well, uh, how is that possible otherwise, when they're releasing publicly that he's not on the injury report? Did, did the medical staff not yeah. not know that <laughs> they, they weren't miss, putting him on the injury or did they, report? You know, did they did they did they skip some step? Did they did somebody did somebody parachute in late and and overrule everybody? Yeah, I, I think it opens up a lot of questions because, especially with the amount of time Utah had before this series started, I think they could have outlined a pretty pretty clear return to play uh, strategy that everyone would have been on board with, and yet somehow at the and it seemed like they were following that, and then at the very last minute deviated from it and it wasn't even like okay you can play but you're on a 23 minute limit you know it was it was they they just pulled the plug that 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 was definitely unusual and even in the i i can understand more how it happened in in today's nba than the nba of seven or eight years ago but it's still unusual well there's been reporting that mitchell uh sought out independent help and that those people cleared him but supposedly he practiced uh, and yeah i mean even if his own guys said he said he was okay like the fact that like you said on the injury report the team said the same thing right and they still had him go through the uh go through the practices and go through shoot around which is usually a tell you know, when the guy goes through shoot around and he goes through and he and he goes through the scripting of all the plays with the starters in the shoot around, like that's your tell that he's playing that night. And so I think that's why the other jazz players were shocked too, because it was like, well, he went through a normal shoot around with us. Like, what do you mean he's not playing? And my only possible explanation is that something had to have changed. That that they saw something at shoot around, or they just like I can't think of what mm-hmm. other reason there there would be for because it just was so trending towards him playing and then the other hilarious thing is oh now uh it's one day later so we're we're gonna confirm on monday that he's playing uh, on on wednesday right so so he wasn't ready to play on sunday but we know for sure he's gonna be ready on wednesday wow wow did he get a good night of sleep let me tell you 
One of the greatest nights of sleep in NBA history. Yeah. And so at that point, he obviously was so fucking pissed off about it that they're just like, all right, we better. That he was just like, look, I'm, well, I'm playing. And, and rightfully so, honestly, like they yeah. completely embarrassed him yeah. by doing it. Yeah. And I, I think this is going to yeah. blow over. Yeah. He's, he's pissed off, but like, you know, he, he's under, they're paying him $30 million a year for uh, the next five years or eh, maybe four. Uh, but let's talk about the series on the floor. I, this is one where in contrast to what took place in game one between the Clippers and Dallas, I don't think particularly with Mitchell returning and yeah, he's going to probably be on a minute's limit. He's going to take he's back in, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I, I think this, the advantages that the Grizzlies showed in game one, I don't think they're going away, but I also think that they can be overcome. And I still think the jazz will take care of this in six or fewer. Yeah. I mean, Utah shot, what, 12 for 50 from three in game yeah. one? And more importantly... I, I just don't see them having another shooting game like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Memphis only got 23s up in the whole game, right? So, like, you know, Valanchunas bothers Gobert. You know, it's probably one of the weaker aspects of his game is the whole, like, uh, you know, martial arts combat underneath, which got him a bunch of fouls. And Dylan Brooks and Ja, I mean, they only have one guy to guard those guys. And so they can kind of switch back and forth. But Brooks won't play as well in the next game. And Memphis... Uh, is going to take a ton of floaters I and mean, the, the math is just not going to work out for memphis i think over the course of the series unless you know there continue to be injury issues or mitchell is just totally ineffective the foul trouble obviously was another one gobert was plus when he was on the floor so i, I do think memphis is going to make this a series and has already but i i expect a, a pretty comfortable jazz win in game two if it's not comfortable then i may change my tune a little bit but i, I still expect the jazz to win so my, my prediction is jazz in six right now what's yours yeah, I had Jazz in five to start. I would say after the game one win, it seems more likely that six would be a more likely outcome. But yeah, I, I still think Utah wins the series. Like you said, I mean, Memphis against Utah, Memphis can get to their floaters because Gobert's going to let them, but, but the percentages aren't in their favor, as you say. And then for their perimeter defense, I think it's a little bit more of a game of whack-a-mole now where you have you have Conley and Mitchell and Ingles out there, and you can only hide John ja, ja Morant on one spot, which I guess is Royce O'Neal when he's playing. But there, so Dylan Brooks can only guard one guy. Kyle Anderson has to guard uh, Bogdanovich. So now you're asking, uh, you know, you, now you're asking your other wing player to guard either Mitchell or Conley. I, th- I think that creates some problems. And then they were able to get, you know, they were able to get Valanciunas and switches and get pretty decent looks. I think Conley and Mitchell will be able to do that again. Yeah. And, and Ja, I thought, did okay on Conley, but Conley di- didn't shoot his usual level either. So I guess that means we've got Dallas versus Utah in the next round. And we don't need to talk about that too much because it hasn't actually happened yet. I'm sure we'll, we'll have plenty of chances if that does occur. But who, who would you see having the advantage in that series? I think that is a huge break for Utah. I think the Clippers were sort of set up to be Utah's kryptonite. And I think Utah probably wins the West if the Clippers are knocked out. I, I, th- I think Utah this is this is where it could work out better for Utah if Dallas ends up winning that series I agree with you in some respects but uh because I think Utah will be able to score much better against Dallas than they would against the Clippers because Dallas is not going to switch yeah. uh they've got Porzingis uh Porzingis cannot switch and so then they're gonna have to play conventional pick and roll defense and Utah can carve that up I mean that I see that series just coming down to which teams role players make their threes better uh, and 
and you know maybe maybe coming down to because utah i don't see them being able to stop looking and it's also would be a fascinating test of you know rudy gobert can he still affect the series when he's got to guard a shooter yeah. basically the entire series so that's that that would I, I mean i think dallas could win that series but yeah, i think i would probably pick that but because especially if we're assuming that dallas is going to beat the clippers uh you know obviously dallas is playing very well i probably would pick that as utah in seven but i also would want to see uh how donovan mitchell looks in, in this series because they are going to need him to match luca on some difficult shots to some degree yeah yeah that's a good point like conditional on dallas being good enough to beat the clippers right you probably raise the bar for them a little and say okay well maybe they can give utah a series well let's do the rest of the west here and you you wrote a phoenix suns hagiography after game one Mm -hmm. but uh one of the big angels chris paul doesn't look right right now yeah so unfortunate for phoenix because uh so i picked phoenix going into the series i was one of the few people that did and my basic logic was that lebron wasn't 100 percent, which i i think is held up uh and that the other and that the other sons were better than the other lakers and the part of that that fell apart of course for (laughs) phoenix in game two was that chris paul is even in much worse shape than lebron and so that tilted the advantage back to the lakers i still think Phoenix has a good shot at this, but they got to they got to get a reasonable facsimile of Chris Paul by like game four at the latest. Yeah, I think actually if Paul is just going to snap his fingers and he could be healthy, and you know maybe that's the nature of this stinger that he suffered. But clearly it was a severe injury if he's not fine a couple of days later. And this is a pretty fast paced series in terms of the the pace of the games uh, being every other day. So yeah, I mean they got to get him ready by game four. I, mean, I favor the Lakers in individual games with Paul looking the way that he did even with LeBron limiting LeBron I think he made like two or three shots at the rim last night and maybe had like one or two shots around the rim in the half court the entire game like he's not driving to the basket at all you know the post-up stuff is working okay maybe they finally got their shit together as far as playing AD at center a little bit more after they trucked him at the end of the game yesterday and they made some good adjustments on Booker so he was less comfortable so uh yeah I mean Chris Paul has got a I just don't think Phoenix to be able to score well enough um and well that's the problem you could see without cp how much they were able to load up against booker and so where where are the other points coming from like you know cameron Payne iso like i think the lakers are going to live with that so they got they got to figure out how to you know can they activate Aiton and get some points that way do they do they have some other points lying around somewhere else on their roster because i mean just asking booker to to go one on five against a loaded up laker defense like that's not gonna work no and so i think uh my pick as of now would be lakers and six if chris paul could get healthy by game four i might change that to suns in seven although you know certainly i mean lebron kind of always seems to find a way i mean even even as limited as he was i mean those jump shots that he was hitting yesterday were just completely insane he'll go on these jump shooting runs sometimes when he's not hasn't been a great jump shooter over the course of his career but you know basically since he went back to cleveland or basically since 2016 i would say he always finds the jump shot just enough when he needs it it's and it it's pretty incredible like he doesn't even like shoot going straight up and down anymore he basically like leans way to the left on every single shot and somehow it's going in it's crazy yeah they they should not go in yeah but what a bummer this is for chris paul and phoenix i mean this is gonna now be the third injury perhaps that chris paul has suffered 
in the playoffs that is like preventing his team from winning a series i mean people always are going to remember 2018 obviously but then 2016 was another one yeah. where if he and blake griffin don't get hurt in that portland series steph is out for the first three games of that next series like they could have won that series and got to the west finals that well, year too, if he doesn't point. get hurt and so obviously and this is another one so that's a good point i hadn't thought yeah, about that. i mean total like just a total bummer um so hopefully that ends up being the case but i mean i think he's gonna play i think he'll like sort of get better and better as the series goes on but i just i don't see him being like a thousand percent and that's the guy that they need to to win this series because the lakers honestly have been worse than i i thought they would be over the first two games yeah and then portland denver i had portland in seven i I haven't seen anything to disabuse me of that notion so far. Uh, obviously, Denver could very easily win the series. This is just going to be a complete batshit shootout, and you know, I would favor <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of defense going on out there. No, I, I, I will. I'll give credit to Denver for playing better defense in the second half. Like it really, the only guy who cooked them was Dame going completely crazy in the first half. Other than that, they actually like they held Portland yeah. below fifty percent from two. Like that that was it was better. They, they did some things I thought that were a lot better in game two. But nonetheless, I think Portland will respond and uh, we'll see. We'll see whether this Aaron Gordon on Dame thing, uh, I think Portland will be ready for that in game three. But I, 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 yeah. The wrinkle I liked was actually Shaquille Harrison on Dame when they went to their bench rather than having, uh, rather than having Marcus Howard out there. Um, Because I, like, I don't think the Blazers are solid enough defensively to make them pay for having Shaquille Harrison. Yeah. The, the they still got mellow and Cantor out there. I think you'll be able to score okay anyway. <laughs> right. I think you'd be fine there. Um, so, and then I would pick the Lakers, probably uh, probably the Lakers go into the conference finals as, as crazy as it I seems. think whoever wins that Lakers, whoever wins that Lakers Phoenix series, I think is an overwhelming favorite in yeah. round two. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess is this, maybe we are, maybe we're picking the Utah Jazz to get to the NBA finals. I mean, I think that if LeBron can't get better and, you know, especially like getting some rest, you know, maybe they could take care of Denver or Portland fast enough that LeBron can get a little bit of rest. I don't think they can though. Like he's got it. They can't beat Utah with him playing like this. And maybe he'll just summon it from somewhere as he so often has. And, you know, every mm-hmm. time you think that this guy is done and he's on the canvas, he, he finds a way to get up. So I never want to count him out. But if he plays the way that he played in those first two games, they are not going to beat the Utah Jazz. Like it's just not going to happen. They can't score enough. So I think I, I mean, I think Utah matches up great against the Lakers too. Like of all the like contender kind of, you know, you're playing rock, paper, scissors. I think Utah looks at that one and says, okay, we got this. Like we, we can do this. Uh, I, I wouldn't go quite that far personally, but I, I think, uh, you know, and if the Lakers go with AD at center, I think that maybe they could cause some more problems for Utah on both ends. But, you know, how often are they going to do that? And, you know, the Lakers are going to look better offensively when some of these guys who aren't great shooters, they'll hit some threes at least. So um, you know, we'll we'll see how those teams are playing. I would I would probably go Utah in seven in that series, uh, but it, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. So, yeah, Utah Jazz in the NBA Finals, man. Well, you don't need me to tell you about why Locker Room is such an awesome platform. You're hearing it on this pod you can jump in you can ask your questions you can converse you can make fun of us whatever you want to do the app is free to download once you're in talk with me other fans athletes and insiders in real time about your favorite team your favorite sport john and i host uh, our locker room each week on wednesdays generally 2 eastern 11 pacific also do another locker room with danny larue at 6 eastern 3 pacific on tuesdays 
That's an hour long one of just questions so you can jump in there. So definitely download that free locker room app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. They have a beta on Android. You create a profile, you link your Twitter and you join the NBA group for the latest updates. You can follow me at Nate Duncan NBA or Danny at Danny LaRue. Be notified when our rooms go live. Locker room is just a really fun technology and hope to see you in our rooms next week. If the last year has taught us anything, it's that we don't really need bricks and mortar stores anymore. Going to your local auto parts store really was not a good experience to begin with. In that front area, they never really had anything other than just totally generic stuff. And then you would go to that desk. You probably had to wait in line while the one person who was there at the counter tried to find the part that the person in front of you wanted. And then finally, when you got up there, you would ask for your part and they'd say, oh yeah, we can order that. It'll be here in two weeks. Well, great. I could have just stayed at home and used rockauto.com, got my part faster and saved a bunch of money. Change stores at different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck. You just put your make and model in there. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay. So the Nets are going to win the, the Boston series. Let's move on. Uh, unless you, unless you want to, I mean, do you, <laughs> you want to talk about what you've seen from them at all? I mean, is that, is that worth doing? They, they look great, but I mean, at, for both Brooklyn and Milwaukee, like this is the this is the prelude, right? Like we we really find out about them next. Uh, I round, mean, right? honestly, and Brooklyn and Milwaukee might be for the championship in the next round. It could be. You're right. You're right. And I mean, maybe that's too dismissive of Philadelphia, but man, that they, they they both really seem like they're like they're just loaded. And like when they put their five best players on the floor, it's like holy shit! Like how do we beat this team? Yeah, and I I do think there's going to be an adjustment for Brooklyn going into the next round and you know like this starting Blake Griffin at center thing for example like they just have nobody to match up with Giannis at all like Giannis is going to have a monster series in that series and you know the Bucs are going to get out on the fast break I think they can hurt Milwaukee there you know it's just the question of like what are the Bucs going to do defensively like is there they have the personnel in theory to do some switching is that what they want to do like they you, you know we talked about the Clippers connectedness I don't know if the Bucs can be that connected in a switching defense over long periods of time uh, as well. And I thought Brooklyn did a better job in game two of kind of finding ways to attack the Celtics switching and get some little system buckets, uh, get guys slipping to the rim, et cetera, get more ball movement. KD talked about that after the game. So so that aspect will be interesting. I mean, it's going to be a crazy offensive series, I think. And just, you know, obviously Brooklyn has more offensive talent, but the Bucs do have some advantages where, you know, I think they're going to be certain games games where they're just going to overwhelm Brooklyn with their athleticism and physicality. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, Brooklyn's really looking at two rounds of that, right? Because Philadelphia is going to be the same kind of test for them. Yeah, but Philly, to me, isn't the same kind of transition team. And they're just kind of more stagnant. I don't think, you know, Embiid is always going to be out there as well. So so that's a, another thing where you know, they're always going to be in a, some kind of a conventional pick and roll defense, probably. Um, you know, I, I think that Philly can give them trouble. You know, I'd probably pick that as like Brooklyn in six or something if Brooklyn gets by. I think 
think I'm going to go Brooklyn in seven, though, over the Bucks. I, I think that series is going to be one of the best series we've seen. I think it's going to be great. I, I So I, I will lean that way right now. Yeah, I, I would say because I think like it's hard for me not to pick Brooklyn in the East just because they have the most overall talent. And so at the end of the day, I think that probably wins. But that I mean, that path is not easy. Yeah. And I mean, they, their their defense has been uh, pretty good against the Sheltics. Uh, in- <laughs> well, I, I had to, I broke out a uh, shellikins er- earlier, uh, as well. So That's nice, <laughs> man. They, I mean, they basically like they had basically the same team that went to the East Finals last year, and it just never, I mean, you know, Hayward, I guess, but like it just never clicked there this year. Yeah, uh, J- Jalen Braun would have helped in this series obviously but not that much i mean they are getting like their offense to me is just the incredibly disappointing part uh, through through two games they can't like score around the rim against this brooklyn team like they're shooting terribly from two anyway let's not waste time on them that series is over and you know philly i think they're just gonna roll through obviously uh to to get to the uh east final i think i think washington has has won like home crowd Russ going crazy you know Beal Bertans making shots game in them and they make it five yeah I, I picked that as a sweep I think this was Washington's best chance uh because Washington actually scored like crazy around the rim and Embiid's foul trouble like if Washington's not scoring around the rim and Embiid is like back to being himself around the basket like they just they're not gonna be able to score in this series I don't think and I think Beal he looked really good it's good to see him back from the hamstring but I, I don't he was Bradley Beal was nine out of ten at the rim in, in that game and I just he's not gonna do that against a, a Joel Embiid who is not in foul trouble I don't think and they they don't get enough threes up as well I think to, to trouble Philly and then uh Philly is just gonna I think you know take care of the Knicks Hawks winner in five probably Hawks might be able to give them a little bit of trouble just because of the way they can score and space things out and Trey Young like they're still going to be a conventional pick and roll defense but I put think they put Ben Simmons on Trey Young and he can cause him enough trouble that uh you know Trey might have one game where he goes off the Hawks hit a bunch of shots but you know I could see that one being six if it's the Knicks I would probably pick a six. I could see Atlanta I could see Atlanta maybe taking it to yeah. six yeah I think the Hawks have enough talent to do that and uh you know if capella gets fouls they're they're kind of in deep shit because I, I don't think okong was ready for that for this kind of <laughs> fight yet um but uh they they played pretty well against philly uh just in terms of like giving them competitive battles and i i do think they are set up to actually score some against philly which some other teams are not so i, I could i could see them extended to and the six. good I'd say that's probably the good thing about uh, New York and Atlanta is they actually have like dinosaur coaches who remember what it was like when every team posted up and like how to do all the post double teaming and rotations and stuff that that you used to do like <laughs> right? 20 or, or 15 years ago, which nobody does anymore. Um, yeah. against Embiid. Yeah, dig, dig all their game plans from 1997 yeah. out so, of storage. So what about yeah. Nick Sox? So we haven't talked about that at all. Do you, uh, any observations on that series? As we, I mean, obviously game two is tonight, so this will be a, a little bit out of date. I expect the, the Knicks to probably win tonight, but it, uh, based on what we saw in game one, what do you have in that series? Uh, so I picked Hawks in seven before seven. it started. I think I picked him in seven. I might have yeah, picked, picked it as No, six. I might have picked him in six. Uh, I mean, I saw the series as a toss-up, yeah. but you know, generally I pick, if I'm picking the road, team to win i'll usually do it in six yeah 
I, um, I think Atlanta has more overall talent. And, you know, it's funny because Nate McMillan gets bashed for his postseason failures, but what the hell was that final second in game one? Okay. So offensive possession down to 0.9 seconds left. A, we're going to have Todd Gibson on the floor to do what? Um, B, we're going to run a play for a catch and shoot two pointer, which, okay, that ties the game. But generally in that situation, you want to run a play to get a three because if it's a, like you win if that shot goes in. You're you're not just making making an unlikely shot to get a fifty percent chance yeah. to win. So even if your odds of making that shot are less, um, your your overall chances of winning are higher. Related to the Todd Gibson thing, if you have Nerlens Noel out there, the one thing you can do with point nine is get a rim run for an alley oop for a dunk, like a dunk to tie. Yeah, we're we're into that, right? We'll take that. Um, but they, they didn't have a rim threat out there because they had Taj Gibson there instead. Uh, and then having Alec Burks as the inbounder basically took him out of play to be one of the shooters, which was strange since he was having the game of his life. So I, I thought there was just a lot of weirdness there on that on that final play in particular. Uh, Nick's also got criticized for bringing in Frank Nilakina for defense right at the end there too. Did, on the shot Daniel training. Ewing wasn't available? Um, Daniel Ewing was not available. <laughs> wow. That was a deep cut. Uh, well, a, a deep cut in uh, multiple ways for Clippers fans on that one. Yes, yes, yes. Clippers fans are like, come on, man. <laughs> you got to take strays too. Um, so I I didn't hate that as much because I, I did think Nilakina was probably – the best defender he had in that situation. Now I would say, I mean, he was supposed to corral Trey and keep him on the same side as Tosh Gibson. He failed to do that. And that's why that's how Trey got loose for that runner. Uh, It's hard for me to kill him over that one. Yeah. From a sports science perspective, I always wonder of just like, yeah, he's a young guy bringing in somebody cold like that. Like, I mean, you know, and I wasn't watching their bench to know like, okay, is he, you know, doing some deep knee bends over there or like hitting the bike to like be ready to come back. (laughs) I mean, I'm guessing probably not. He's probably sitting on the bench with his knees bent for, you know, I mean, I think he played like two seconds. I can't remember what the end of what quarter it was that he came in, but he's obviously just like, just from like your actual physical performance to just have to come in the game and all of a sudden give 100% max effort on a last second possession. And that does seem difficult to do, right? Like, I mean, at least he can go in the tunnel and do some defensive slides then maybe, but yeah, I mean, it's, and also like Trey is the kind of guy where you can kind of get a feel for him throughout the game and his foul drawing and stuff. And so to just have not necessarily had that experience, I mean, that's, you know, he obviously has the best, you know, he's just, he is their best point guard defender. Like I understand that aspect of it, but yeah, I, I mean, that's one where it's just, it's really hard to know. Um, but we can well, kill him for not well, having you know, a plan against the pick and roll, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, Nilakina had had sat for 24 minutes since halftime, and Alfred Payton had sat for about 23 minutes. Who <laughs> would have been the other option, right? Yeah, that, that's like what, what's what's going on? What's going on with that? Like, what's the over under on when when Derrick Rose is at the table? Does, does he just put him out there at the jump ball? Yeah. Like just have Rose yeah, exactly. The table, just like as soon as they get the, the jump ball, ball intentional whistle. foul, and then they get Rose yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, so so I mean, I, I think the Knicks are going to win tonight. Um, you know, that's just kind of that yo-yo principle yeah. you see a lot. But yeah, it does seem like they don't really have a great plan for dealing with these trade pick and rolls, and the Hawks have a lot of shooting around them. So I, I think it's uh, you know, I think the Hawks bench can match the Knicks bench, but the Hawks starters are obviously way better than the Knicks starters. So and uh, Gallo will either play better or play less uh in, in the next game man i can't I, I can't believe that haircut though like it's just <laughs> i mean that that is that is a, a Thank you. that is a haircut you know he, he uh only about two tenths of his hair was remaining on his head and he shot two for ten like that was there's no accident there i think that that was uh yeah yeah that was a little, little bit a little bit of retro you know those those were kind of popular like brian bosworth you know early 90s right yeah yeah or it could be future looking right like what year does mad max uh, take take place in um okay so but you uh, hawks and six is that you, your pick as of now would you say yeah yeah okay yeah yep so i guess we we got nets nets sixers how would you see that one playing out man i i still gotta go i gotta go brooklyn at six uh i just betting on their overall talent now here's the one thing with brooklyn is you get deeper into the playoffs these guys have been a little brittle yeah, this they year. could wear down and if they lose and if they lose one of those guys you know now we're now we're looking at a different series i mean you could say the same thing with Embiid or Giannis, sure. obviously but i i they They've been more durable this year. And, you know, Durant's had an injuries history. Kyrie obviously has all kinds of history. Uh, Harden with the hamstring this year. So there's this underlying fragility, even though it's on paper an awesome team. So you wonder about that a little bit. But, yeah, sure, I'll go with Brooklyn. Yeah. And, and then I think uh, Brooklyn against Utah. Utah would have home court. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, that would be another one of these. Where does Rudy Gobert go? I mean, I'll tell you what, man. If the Jazz win it this year, Rudy Gobert will have earned it, right? I mean, like he is, he will have proven that, yeah, this does work in the playoffs. I really am that good to some of these teams that they're probably going to have to go up against, whether it's the Clippers or Dallas. And then yeah. the Lakers going against uh, maybe Anthony Davis or, or and then probably brooklyn in the finals i mean that would be god what what a gauntlet that would be for a defensive player of the year worthy defensive player of the year but that is just an incredible challenge i mean i think oh i think brooklyn would just have too many structural advantages i think they're switching it's been pretty good i think that would give the jazz some problems and you know mitchell i think they could do they could they could do enough with their switching to keep utah around like 1.15 right points per hundred and then just let their offense take care of the rest. All right, so I guess we both have the Brooklyn Nets as the most likely NBA champ. And they've been the, by far the most impressive team as well. I mean, I, I, the Celtics are, are obviously, if they've been playing poorly, but I, Brooklyn's defense has really impressed me. And obviously, they look completely unstoppable last night offensively. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and the Bucks to me would be. But it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's. It's it's wide open though, man. I mean, you know, if you if you, you tell me Philly, Milwaukee, you know, you you Lakers and the Clippers, to be quite honest, you know, ended up winning this thing. I'm not going to faint. No, uh, I, I yeah, I've sort of been in two minds of it. I've been like, 
oh yeah, it's really wide open, incredibly wide open. Or I've been like, maybe the Brooklyn Nets are just going to completely roll through this thing and we'll be talking about them as like one of the more dominant teams. Yeah, like that's on the table for sure, I think. And nothing I've seen in the first two games would indicate that's not the case. But again, they're playing against a seven seed. So let's see. uh, But but I I mean, I will say this, right? Like all the concerns about, oh, they don't have enough continuity and blah, blah. Like that's, that is not reared its head so far. Like these guys are veteran guys. They're all really know how to play they know how to play in a switching system they've all done it before in the playoffs and uh you know i mean having those three guys and joe harris on the floor i mean that's just how the hell do you stop that the harris part the harris part is the killer like you know like oh you're gonna have these three guys and you're gonna have this dude hanging out in the corner so if i help at all i'm dead yeah that, that that's the one that really puts it over the top for them offensively um it, all right so we usually kind of go through this rubric every week when we're talking about the playoffs but we don't have to get into that quite as much we got about 10 minutes left here before we start taking some locker room questions but uh you know any like coaches that have particularly stood out to you or any particular adjustments that you've liked or disliked here in the first you know one or two games of some of these series well clearly i mean on the on the clippers end of things there's some question marks about a what they're trying to do but you know, just getting everyone on the same page to do it. Uh, so, you know, we took, we talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Already. Well, well, I, yeah, I quick, like quickly on that before you move on, you know, Ty Lue, like they've, they've had like terrible starts to series defensively before when he was with the Cavs, right? Even 2016. I mean, I declared that series over because they just were so hopelessly disconnected defensively uh, at the start of that series. And obviously they, they came on with the, the help of a suspension and obviously LeBron going completely crazy, but they don't have 2016 LeBron James or 2016 Tristan Thompson <laughs> on this team uh, either. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of an issue. Yeah. I mean, that's been a just a massive disappointment is just to put it on the coach put it on the players uh you know as, as much as you know Doc, Doc Rivers they had a bad plan last year and he was playing the wrong guys and, and Lou maybe you know he's still searching as well but really it seemed like the Clippers are the team that's like desperately searching for their identity as opposed to the Nets uh, again which I mean yeah they didn't have continuity down the yeah. end but uh it, that's that is really disappointing I mean that this defense is so bad right now yeah and and it shouldn't be you have Kawhi Leonard Paul George Patrick Beverly across the perimeter right like it shouldn't even like bigs matter of course but like when you're that good along the perimeter like you you can't suck on defense with those three guys as starters right like how is that possible and also just to like these are all like veteran guys who've been in the playoffs for years and years and years i mean to be having these kind of communication breakdowns i mean that is just absolutely pathetic right um you know, any other uh, coaching stuff? You're you're going to transition to something else uh, before I I jumped in on the Clippers. I would say uh, Mike Budenholzer has pushed the right yeah. buttons. I mean, putting putting Giannis on Jimmy Butler finally, um, sticking to his drop with Lopez, but then uh, they're you know they're switching the other actions. It seems like uh, I think they've just had the answers for everything Miami has thrown at them, and this is clearly not the same Miami team that they're playing uh, that they faced a year ago. But I mean, they've answered all the questions so far. Even that first game that they almost lost. I mean, that was entirely shooting yeah. variants. 
No, and I said after the first game, I thought the Bucks were going to handle them pretty reasonably in this series. And yeah, they got to live with a little bit of Duncan Robinson, but Duncan Robinson only got up six shots in game two, right? And so it, when you're complete, like the math has worked out. Part of the reason it didn't work out last year was not only did Miami have better shooters and Crowder and Hero were going off, like it wasn't, you know, if it's just Duncan Robinson, that's not enough. Uh, I yeah. mean, do you think there's anything Miami can do in that series to change things or, or are they dead i i think they're dead i think they i think they just aren't as good this year basically i think Dragic is a year older they don't have crowder they always have a lineup out there with somebody who you don't really need to guard and then i think lopez has really figured out that bam matchup too i mean that's one of the things that really stood out like right from the first play uh he's just like okay bam i'm gonna give you the mid-range jumper i don't think you can do shit else and we're we're not gonna worry about you doing a dho yeah Um, right and and that's been they've been fine yeah and brooke i mean he is very good at challenging kind of those floaters and runners that bam likes uh, as well and yeah so so he's been great defensively and you know despite the fact that you know i don't think Giannis has has been down and then of course when they start hitting all their threes now that whole miami wall thing fell apart and you just had i I mean miami's defense was absolutely pathetic in game two i mean that that was part of it too like you mentioned it's not the same miami team and you got they hit some threes in the first yeah but then they're you know chris middleton just spins baseline for a dunk on duncan robinson we're like we weren't prepared to help with duncan robinson on chris middleton and an iso you know or Giannis just gets right to the charge circle for a hook shot like it's just it's not the same at all i mean so many guys are gonna have to play so much better for miami i mean butler bam like miami can't win this unless jimmy butler is the best player on the floor right they're not gonna win game and you know this is yeah i I mean it's funny because this is kind of going the way that i thought it would go last year i thought butler would have a a rough series and he obviously killed him but uh yeah they're, they're doing a great job and these guys that we thought couldn't survive like Forbes and Bobby Portis like they've been fine and and that's helping juice the Bucks offense as well Drew Holiday had 15 assists so yeah I mean it, you know maybe the Bucks will have a bad shooting game and, and Miami will have a good one and you know it goes to five but it, it doesn't seem like maybe they'll change when you get to Miami it's not impossible but it, it, the Bucks sure look fantastic yeah so but I think he deserves some credit they haven't done that much switching he hasn't played that much PJ Tucker he's stuck with Lopez and, and that's really uh played off uh paid off um any players who've like really surprised you in, in a positive sense uh you know who was really good the other day it was Pat Connaughton. Yeah, he actually. hit he hit shots, right? <laughs> I mean, it was it was more a sign, I think, that the Bucks had everything going. But he was uh, Cameron Payne got a lot more done, I will say, these first two games than I thought he would, and really, um, like he he was able to play a level up from what I thought he could do. I thought he, you know, running a second unit against other second units, he'd be fine. But he's out there with starters, you know, play, playing in playoff game and being asked to create and still did a pretty decent job yeah that one uh may not persist perhaps particularly as he becomes more of a focus if they're if cp is going to really like not going to be able to close games uh, and stuff and this guy's always been a good player but joe harris i think like defensively he just makes the right rotations and you know actually will like jump at the rim and contest people so uh, that's that's been exciting uh, as well obviously i mean luca i would say even just taking it to like yet another level like some of the stuff that that he's been doing tim hardaway jr how about him he's been good yeah and hasn't really been exposed on the defensive end either which i think is kind of a surprise i mean that 
you know, Dallas went into the year thinking that Josh Richardson was their stopper and, you know, Hardaway would be a sixth man. And they basically have gone away from that because they're just so much better playing with just playing with Hardaway out there. And and the defense difference hasn't been that consequential between the two. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's definitely been the case. And yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, one one more on this series. This is small potatoes, but were you surprised to see Nicolo Melli out there at the first two games? I mean, I guess they feel like they. I mean, they DNP they DNP Dwight Powell yesterday. I think he got like three and, three minutes uh, put, or something played, in the first half. Oh, he got four minutes in the yeah, second yeah, half. Okay. I'm sorry, but yeah, they played they played Melly as the backup four in the first half. I mean, I guess they kind of need a backup four. Like Melly actually has been better than expected defensively. Just the whole thing about how he's supposed to be this great shooter has just never materialized. Like, yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I saw a bunch of him in Europe. Like, I, I never thought of him as like a great shooter. I thought of him as like a good enough shooter with a really yeah. high IQ um, and kind of an undersized five. Uh, so, but for him to hold up somewhat on defense as a four, I think has been an upset. I think, uh, you know, he's not really in your game plan, I guess, to like, let's target this guy because it's such a small slice of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, you know, (laughs) whatever he's played, he's played minutes and not killed them, which I mean, when you're a bench guy, that's kind of what you're what you're asked to do uh most disappointing players obviously the heat stars have got to be right up there i mean for jimmy and bam to be this bad through two games i mean that's that's a massive disappointment for sure and uh i, I don't know any others that really pop out to you jason tatum yeah that's and and just the whole celtics offense honestly kemba you could tell he came out like oh i'm playing in new york and playoff game like he was really fired up and then just you know was as not been able to get it going like he's never been a, a great switch guy this is a, not a good matchup for him this this series like trying to beat switches he's not great at that just due to his size and uh so and then defensively he can get attacked as well so yeah I and mean, the biggest drama remaining in that series is uh what the boston fans are going to chant at Kyrie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i mean hope, I, would, I would say so um uh, so guy, I want to see more from Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. It may just not happen this year. It, it may just, be I know, hard. I know, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, you know, still coming back from the knee and they tend to lose sight of him at times. Like he's really good when he can get quick duck ins. And the problem is Valanciunas is occupying that space. Um, so even though Utah has a much smaller player against him, they can't really take advantage of that. And that basically has him, it, it turns him into Dorian Finney-Smith, basically, right? He's just running, roaming around the perimeter, hunting threes. And he can do that, and it's fine, but it's not really his, you know, it, it doesn't create a giant advantage either. And then defensively, like, the rebounding's still a problem, the fouling's still a problem, so... They they've just they've looked better with Kyle Anderson at the four. How about slow mo, by the way? Huh? Six steals in game one, including the ultimate slow mo highlight. And 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 legit like picked your dribble, took your wallet, steals. Like not this bullshit where there's a deflection and you caught the ball. Oh yeah, no he he's been really good. And I mean the the Grizzlies, uh, I think you know Taylor Jenkins deserves a, a lot of credit for these two wins that they've had as well to go away from Jaron Jackson Jr. at the end of games, who's like you know, one of the two crown jewels of the franchise. Like that takes some balls to do. Going back to Grayson Allen, who was awful in that San Antonio game, coming back from an injury i'm like we're never this guy's never gonna see the light of day again he's been good the first couple of games 
since then. Yeah, no, I think that's the the other guy they got to get going who was so good for them for most of the year and then really kind of tailed off the last month is DeAnthony Melton. Uh, you know, over four in game one, no points. Um, they got a crowd at the two, and you know, either he's gonna either. Basically, it's going to go one of two ways, right? Because at some point, Jenkins is going to have to shorten the rotation and just play Allen and Bain those minutes. And unless Melton does something to interject himself, and he just hasn't done it for a while now. And you still look at his season stats and you're like, this guy's crazy good. But it, it just hasn't happened for him over this last No, week. and defensively, he's struggled also. It, it's that, That's been kind of a problem with his execution. He can't play that kind of stick-to-you-on-ball defense the way Brooks does. If you're hiring for your company, what you need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You don't need 500 candidates who just applied with no regard for what the actual qualifications are. You need Indeed instead. You can post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You can also use skill tests to winnow down the field of applicants. And using Indeed overall will on average reduce the amount of time you spend on hiring by 27%. You only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and you can schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. They've got over 130 skills tests or you can even add your own. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So you're getting the high quality candidates, you're saving time and ultimately, getting the applicants that are right for you. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked, the name of this network. Get a $75 credit indeed.com slash locked, indeed.com slash locked, offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Most protein bars are awful. I like to work out. I've tried basically all of them. And before Built Bar, I'd resigned myself to the idea that they're all going to taste like a rock quarry. But now, with 18 amazing flavors, the improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There's six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar, sia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Of course, there are classics like raspberry, peanut butter, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. That makes a huge difference. By the way, they're soft and easy to chew, but they're still great for the health conscious person. For example, peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Great for a keto diet. And you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Okay, let's uh, get to our speaker requests here and feel free to jump in. Just start talking. You don't have to ask if we can hear you. It'll soon become apparent since this is a podcast. Let's get to Chet. Chet, how you, man? I realize it's been a while, so we may we may not have so, some people in. We'll give them a second, though, here. Chet with the LeBron and AD avatar. Those guys showed up last night. Will Chet show up now? <laughs> okay, Chet, we're going to move on from you at this point, but try and get back in if you can. And let's go to Carlo. Carlo, are you there? Carlo, you're muted, now unmuted. Oh, can you hear me? I hear something. You muted again. We're going to get this. Can you yes, hear sir. Me? Carlo, what's up? Yes. Oh, okay, uh, Mavs fan uh, from Italy, so sorry oh, for hey, the accent. No, I, I love Italian accent, actually. Buongiorno. Uh... Hey, so I've got uh, a crazy oh, stat yeah. for you. So, um, Porfinis has, has uh, 
shot 12 times, made 20 points. Uh, his uh, primary defender was Kawhi Leonard. How many shots of Porzingis have been uh, with uh, uh, Kawhi as the primary defender? Yeah, I mean, I'm... how many shots have been with Kawhi as a primary? I don't know how many they would have graded as a Kawhi defender. Like he had that one, you know, semi transition three last night where. Kawhi and uh, Zubats messed up the the screen. I don't know who got credit as the primary defender on that. Um, but well, no, I, one. <laughs> no one, no <laughs> one, no one got. There was no primary defender. Yeah, that was the problem. Yeah. So uh, I I don't know if he had any as as with him as a primary defender. He got a couple shooting over Smalls, if I remember right. Got a couple at the line. I would say probably zero. He had one. The okay. turnaround turn jumper from Porzingis classical. So okay. my question, my question uh, stands from this: uh, Do you think that uh, the Clippers can go uh, small ball and have uh, Kawhi Leonard on Doncic as the primary defender? I think that's what they need to do. I think you know when they went small, they had Kawhi on Porzingis, and I would rather see them have Kawhi on Doncic. Although what's going to happen in either of them is going to be a screen and a switch, right? Um, yeah. So Spain stuck pick and roll, and they are going to get uh, Kawhi away from. Yeah. Dodge. Yeah. So what 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 I wrote about today uh, for the Athletic actually is: Can the Clippers play a lineup with Man Morris? Batum, Kawhi, and Paul George, where you have five pretty like-sized players, you get the switch, and there's not really an advantage gained, and you just end up with Luka doing ISO against somebody you're okay with with defending him. And because when you have one of the smalls out there, whether it's Jackson or Rondo or even Beverly, I think Luka's hunting that matchup, and then he knows there's no shot blocker. And then when you have the big out there, obviously, you're asking Zubat or Ibaka to switch, and that's tough. I mean, you hide them on a secondary, I guess, but it's it's a little bit of cat and mouse. And I think, you know, the, the Mavs get advantages there. So I I want to see more of that. I think Ty Lue experimented with it in the second half. I wouldn't be surprised to see that be like a major look for him in game three in like the second and fourth quarters. Like he's going to say, okay, try dealing with this five small, see what you can do. Uh, for, yeah. yeah well, well, let, let me weigh in here too. I, I think, I, I think Luca can cook anyone on the team except for Kawhi or PG and ISO. I think he's the, like the five smalls. The problem there is, you know, Marcus Morris, like Luca's going to beat him. And, and as you mentioned, like with the five smalls, there's no help available at the rim in any kind of a conventional sense. Like they don't have like that Draymond Green type or PJ Tucker type. who's going to come over and take, a charge or anything and they got shooting around that so i think their best opportunity is putting Kawhi or pg on him and then just getting over the screen and just forcing luca to make a pass to the pop man and hey if you want to put a smaller guy on porzingis like they actually had like reggie jackson on porzingis at the end of the game i would love for Kristaps porzingis to be posting up against virtually anyone and shooting along too at this point but yeah what do you think the solution is carlo I mean, it's really, uh, I think it's depending on Ibaka. Yeah. Can Ibaka stay on Portingis? Because it's the only one who can uh, trouble him physically. Because even if Portingis isn't like the one doing the uh, all the big men post up uh, and get into the rim and, and stuff, he, he will shoot, shoot over you. And he's... Um, his uh, post-up uh, possession are fine, better than average. Yeah, but it's still not so, a 130 offensive rating, right? Like, I think it's all relative, right? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's yeah. not that, but... Uh, so... Uh, I mean, to the point, uh, putting... Uh, uh, 
putting uh, Paul George on uh, Luca, the first uh, two games, every time uh, it has been a uh, one-on-one uh, Luca on uh, Paul George, it was a disaster for the Clippers. Yeah. Like, it has it has a 80% shot uh, conversion. Yeah, yeah. Like so, that. I mean, like, Paul George is not actually the greatest ISO defender. Like, you make a good, good point there. You can ask Dame Lillard uh, about that. But, yeah. uh, but Paul George is better kind of getting over a screen, which is why I'm thinking if you're going with a more conventional pick-and-roll defense um maybe that's what he did all right thanks thanks for those thoughts carl it is as we talk through here it is a pretty uh intractable problem let us get to nets world nets world is gotta is probably gonna crow about the nets here uh if you want to unmute nets world let's let's talk about it no i don't i don't have to crow about the nets at all you guys broke it down really well how they're just gonna sweep the topic, so thank you. <laughs> what, what, what do you got for us then that's world? Um, yeah, my, my question is about the Clippers defensive oh, yeah. coverage because um, I'm hearing a lot of people I'm hearing a lot of people saying that the Clippers are just uh, only using switching and that's the reason why they're losing and they don't have another uh, scheme to fall back on. So I want to ask, have you seen them using another scheme over the season, some type of drop? They, oh, they've been, they were using even in this series. Yeah, they've been using drops. They've been having Kawhi fight through sometimes. Uh, so, sometimes they've they've actually done multiple coverages on the same play because two players are doing one thing and three players are doing another thing. So yeah, there there's been they, they definitely have other coverages in their bag and they've shown it um, and they've actually done those coverages effectively at other times. So I I, I don't think it's like they, this has been an execution failure to me. Like they just it hasn't been tactics as much as just nobody's on the same page. Like either they just don't trust and what they're doing or uh, or for whatever reason, they're just having these brain locks because, you know, Ty Lue talks about game plan mistakes and and he's right in a lot of cases. You go back and look and you're just like, what was this guy thinking right they, here? They also got to try better to just not let Luca get the ball. I mean, like, he's not like this guy. He's kind of hardened-like in that respect where if he gives it up, he's not going to move off the ball to get it back. Like, they're making it too easy. Like, they need to watch some Dylan Brooks film on Steph Curry to where it's just like, if, if we're going to let you get the ball, it's going to be, you know, you're not going to be jogging up the floor you have to come back to the ball to get it you give it up we're not letting you get it back um you know and hope you know i mean that was in i mean going back to spain like that was in his tape like he didn't like ball pressure he does a lot better with it now than he used to but i i still think you have to uh you have to give that a try. I mean, especially with Beverly, like that's the one thing he can do. Now you don't want him going out there taking, you know, fouls 70 feet from the basket, which is kind of in his tendency. But I, I think you just have to make him work a whole lot harder to get to his spots. In the Clippers you know what the I would actually consider? Uh, double team him just lightly in the backcourt and see if you can get him to give it up where, you know, he's not going to be able to throw that immediate incisive pass because he's too good if you double yeah. team him in the front court like just the random double before they even try a screen or anything um so you just let him give yeah, it up and that then is a good idea. all right we're gonna force you to uh, you know we're gonna then deny you once you get into the front court make you work and at least let you get the ball back with 10 seconds on the shot clock instead of a full clock you know that's something i would try as well when he, if he's bringing the ball up whoever especially after a make if you whoever's guarding the inbounder just you know just go get him you know like just it like just light yeah. pressure enough where he feels like he's got to give it up or hey you want to do like a hard dribble to bring it up floor tire you out a little bit like that because a lot of nba teams like they just kind of get taken out of stuff just by like pressure like that it's it's very interesting um like the hornets did that a little bit against the warriors and caused them some problems now i'm, I'm not saying you're gonna like trap to try and force a turnover all it is is just just to get him 
him to give the ball up at the beginning of the possession and then not let him get it back easily. I think that's something they could try. Try also. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a, a Nets world. You got any any more any more to say here before we uh, we move on? No, you gave me all the ammunition <laughs> I need. Thank you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, let's see here. We got a couple more chances. Chet is back in. Let's see if we got you now here, Chet. Hey guys, sorry about that. Uh, I know my Lakers picture may be a little misleading because I'm actually gonna. I'm enjoying this Clippers oh, collapse <laughs> once again too much. So it's another Clippers question, but it's more Kawhi centric. So this is actually the third series in a row as a Clipper that he's just not been the best player on the floor. Is he not a top five player anymore? And it's clear he's in that five to ten range. And second of all, if they lose in this series, does he leave in free agency? And where are the possibility places that you think he should go or look at? Well, certainly people in Toronto and San Antonio are hoping that's the outcome. Uh, they both have cap room and, you know, would welcome him back, I'm sure. The, you know, Kawhi was awesome in the first half. I mean, people for, forget, like, I mean, that play where he beasted Kleba on a back down, like, are, are you kidding me? Like, you're having a perimeter player do that? Um, and, you know, he had 30 in the first half. I just think he's probably not quite at the level where he can – I mean, two years ago against Giannis, he basically was able to guard Giannis the whole game and be the best offensive player on the floor. And he he may not have quite as much in his tank well, to be able to do Giannis that is across 40 minutes anymore. Like, I mean, it's not easy, but like – because you just have to stand out of the rim, right? Like, you're not chasing anybody. You're, you don't have to get over all these screens and stuff. Like, all you have to do is just, like, not get bowled That's over true. when he tries to attack you, right? So that – I think that – you know, when we saw him having to guard Jamal Murray or, you know, if it's going to be Luca, like that's, that's pretty exhausting. Um, you know, that, that's a, a different animal yeah. to me, but, um, no, like it's, it, there's no, there is not a single player in the NBA who is going to have that type of an offensive load and guard the other team's best player on every play. Like you, it's just not physically possible. Like that's not a knock to me on Kawhi, but you do get to something here, Chet, of, you know, he does need, he's not a great passer and he doesn't necessarily put the pressure on the rim where he's going to force a lot of help and you can kind of get the churn going. He's going to set up a bunch of threes. He's gotten better in that area. But, but no, I mean, on that Toronto team, the beauty of that was you had Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and Marcus Gasol making passes and, and Siakam could do something also. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I, I think he can be the best player, but you need just maybe some. You know, he and George are not necessarily that additive with, uh, as a second star. Maybe you do need more of a ball hunter, and he's asked for that. That's why they got Rondo. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I was thinking like as a you know as just an NBA fan where I'd want him to go, and I think they would be an interesting team. Is does Miami can they still free up max cap space to make a Kawhi thing work? Um, so Miami, as of right now, with Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, would have about twenty million or so. So they would probably need to move on from one of those guys. Maybe that's a sign and trade. You know, Hero Achua. Yeah, I know. think. I think it ends up not being – it wouldn't be him signing into cap space. It would be a sign and trade for Iguodala and Dragic. That's why they have those player options on those deals. And the, 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 that's that's how it end up working. And I think I think at the end of the day, like that, it's tough because the Heat don't have a ton of draft picks to throw in. Uh, so there might have to be some other squishy things in yeah. there. But 
I, I don't, I think it's less like, I think they have enough cap space that Kawhi can threaten to sign into their cap space. But I think at the end of the day, the actual deal gets done without cap space. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there are some destinations here, right? Like the Dallas Mavericks, for example, will have cap space this offseason. Now, I don't know if they lose to the Mavericks. I, I don't know how the, how interested people w- he would be in going there. I mean, Toronto, I don't think he would want to go back there. Uh, I mean, it still seems like it's he's in L.A. for lifestyle reasons. So, uh, And also, uh, I mean, yeah. he can't sign the five-year deal yet. And also, he gets he gets to be the... Yeah, he also gets to be the GM, so which is nice. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe that's a downside of it. Oh wait, wait, was that my out loud voice? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, he he versus KD is a very very interesting GM matchup. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. You're right though. He cannot he can opt out, sign sign the long deal this summer, and then and then worry about his final destination later. I mean, that's the way yeah. to I play mean, the, the Knicks hand. have a lot of space uh, as well, but it, it still seems like he's pretty comfortable there. Um, all right, let's do one more here before we have to go. Thanks for that, Chet. And let us get to, let's get to Matt. Matt. Hey, guys. Um, I guess my question is about the Celtics. I'm a big Celtics fan, and obviously after the Jalen Brown injury and how they looked in the first two games, I was sort of moving my point of view to the off season. And it seems like to me, Kemba is probably the guy who's most likely to be going out just for, for money reasons. And so I guess I had a couple ideas and then a broader thought on the Celtics sort of cap sure. maneuvers. Um, my couple ideas were like, could you trade like Kemba for Pat Beverly and Luke Kennard? So I guess you'd be saving a little money short term while allowing the Clippers to get off that extension they signed Kennard to and then don't play him. Or could you trade like Kemba and Tristan Thompson and probably Probably your first round pick as well to OKC for Horford, which again would be saving you a bunch of money and then sort of refiguring the roster a little bit. And I guess my second question is around long term with the Celtics. Um, do you view it as they should do all they can to compete again next year at all costs and try to figure out the whole cap sheet situation later or should they just not punt on next year but try to compete as best possible while also just sort of trying to figure out a way to clean their cap sheet up to build better around um jalen brown and jason tatum you know two years from now or whatever i think the answer is probably going to be the latter and i think the reason that's going to be the answer is because they're not going to be able to sell their ownership on going like 15 million into the tax for a team that just went 500 and got their ass kicked in the first round of the playoffs. So those are actually two of the more realistic Kemba proposals I've heard. Usually when I hear a Celtics fan with Kemba ideas, it's like, could we maybe trade Kemba for Kawhi Leonard? Cause they make the same salary. It's like, no, I don't think you're doing that. But uh, that, that, that's, that Kemba to the Clippers one is kind of interesting because you could see more how he could help in LA. Um, and it, you know, there are, there are some financial implications there that, that could be helpful to, to both sides, depending on how they look at it. I, you know, these, these other younger guys in Boston haven't really worked out besides Brown and Tatum. So I think they, they got to figure out kind of what the different direction is. The Thompson signing, I think was a complete fail. And uh, now, and the other thing is, you know, Marcus smart, you got one year left on that deal after this year. What do you do there? I don't know if he makes enough where you could do an extension with him. That's going to be really interesting because if he, if you can't extend him, uh, do you go ahead and trade him for value right now and uh, not to co-opt a political slogan, but build back better? Uh, 
you know, around Tatum and Brown. And when you look ahead to 22, 23, 24. Yeah. Um, I guess my point of view there is just like, and this is sort of about Kemba and Smart, it sort of feels like they, the Celtics right now, um, along around those two guys basically have offense only or defense only players. Um, sort of a lot of the issue I feel like I see with the Heat as well. And I feel like they, they could really use to sort of build in a way with, with more two-way players that gives them more flexibility defensively. Because I think with those two guys, Tatum and Brown, like a sort of switching defensive scheme would make a ton of sense, but it's just not possible right now with Kimba on the floor um and and so and, and sort of spacing on offense makes sense and that's hard to do with smart on the floor so I think while those guys are obviously talented in their own right and have value in the league they aren't necessarily the best guys to, to surround Tatum and Brown with yeah the Celtics are in a, a interesting situation but also you know Tatum and Brown I, I, they gotta hope that those guys get a lot better as well right I mean that like I don't to me at least I don't know if you feel differently John do you see either of those guys getting to be like a top 10 player definitely not a top five player like if you're talking about winning a championship and the east yeah i think i think tatum tatum i think could be a top 10 player yeah, yeah. maybe i'm he's not that far away yeah, right I just, now like, he doesn't quite beat his man well enough one-on-one and he doesn't quite set up others well enough now he's only 22 so maybe that changes some but i do think like this series has been somewhat instructive for me in that regard where this in theory isn't supposed to be a great nets defense and you know he his isolation numbers have never really been good so i i think you know he's to me he's more of like a very solid second banana type than a first banana type which and he can fit anywhere which is nice with his shooting and his defense but as the number one option on your offense i don't know if he gets there but he's only 22 that could could obviously change some uh well thanks for that matt and thank all of you for joining us here on locker room we'll be back same time next week of course to eastern 11 pacific on wednesdays what did you write about for the athletic this week uh obviously the clippers and the well, I, we talked about already yeah yeah exactly yeah so i wrote about the uh the clippers defensive struggles in this series against dallas and what it could potentially mean for their offseason and i wrote about phoenix who's kind of been unheralded as as sort of the uh the, the wrestling job or thrown in the ring with the Lakers and the, no, actually they're, they're really good. And uh, so I, th- I think hardcore fans sort of know that already, but I, I think it just hadn't really gotten much focus over the course of this season. So I want to hi- highlight some of well, that. I, I did enjoy the reference to uh, that, that saying that Phoenix is more than the other leading brand, which is like a staple <laughs> of like eighties and nineties commercials. Uh, what, what do you, what would you say is better? better brand x or the other leading brand <laughs> you know other leading brand i mean they're a leading yeah. brand right they're proven they've been there you know i'm, I'm going with other yeah. leading now brand. brand x i mean the the mystery of it like brand x could be like the greatest <laughs> brand in the history of you know uh detergents or whatever as, right? as a member of gen x i should show more loyalty to my yeah. brand right I, I mean also has there been is there a more pathetic species that's ever existed on earth than the husband who is using the other leading brand and then gets disabused of that notion by his wife in those commercials like that that person may just be i can't think of a more pathetic creature than, than that husband <laughs> all right that's uh that's probably enough here 
air uh, our 80s 80s commercials <laughs> that uh, most of our demographic doesn't remember. <laughs> probably don't need to discuss that any further. Uh, but we will be discussing the NBA on Dunked on Prime much further. Uh, you can hear me. You can hear the dulcet tones of one Danny LaRue. And also, we are doing live games on Hot Mic. Really cool app. You download it, you hit the sync button, and voila, our commentary syncs up with your TV. We are your announcers. It's more useful for some announcing combinations than others uh, that are on the TV to mute your TV and listen to us instead. Uh, but you can fi- find that on Hot Mike. We're doing today's game, Hawks, Knicks, and then we're doing uh, Suns, Lakers tomorrow. So jump in there. That's been a, a lot of fun to do. And uh, John and I will talk to you next week. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.